Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. Episode 181 is me chatting with Marek Paczynski. He is the marketing manager for Orchestra Wellington. He is a a, de- a long-serving, long, hard-working DJ as well. Um, in fact, he has basically always worked in music. I first met Marek close to 20 years ago. We both worked in the same record store in the same company, the CD store, and the parent company, and, and we did work together on and off throughout those years. Um, he was the manager of Chelsea Records, famous Wellington brand, which got to live uh, a kind of rebirth under the CD store banner. Um, and that was really when Merrick's kind of DJing career was taking off, um, establishing some, some long-running residencies in Wellington clubs. Um, he's a sort of hip-hop guy for a lot of people, but, um, but he's got a, a wide variety of music that he's that he's worked with and worked in as well as listened to. Uh, from there, he his story is, is uh, continually interesting. He pops over to the UK for a while, works in a record store over there, uh, meets and makes some interesting connections, works uh, on a couple of famous reissue projects, helping put together uh, vinyl packaging of, of hip-hop classics. Um, he continues to DJ the whole time. He ends up uh, as a performer himself in a duo called Eastern Block. And, uh, and then he uh, morphs into the, the grown-up career of being the marketing manager for Orchestra Wellington and bringing some of his skills and enthusiasm and knowledge of, of music far outside of the classical realm to Wellington's very exciting, innovative, interesting orchestra. Um, and so this was a fun chat because Merrick and I, we've, as I say, we've known each other for a long time, been aware of what um, each other is doing, but um, this was the first time that I sat down and got his his full story and it's an interesting story and it was great to catch up with him at his place in Wellington and um, yeah, there's lots in this, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, this is me and Merrick having a, a big old chinwag. I've known you for close to 20 years. Wow, yeah. Nearly. You're right. And then I realised, because I know you grew up in Auckland, and we'll talk a bit about that because I don't know much about that, but, yeah, I must admit you, when you were pretty new to Wellington. Yes, um, I moved to Wellington in 2000. Yeah, because I think think for a long time I just assumed, you know, in meeting you we worked in the record store together. I thought... I, I just assumed you were a Wellingtonian for yeah. a long, you know, for a long time. Yeah, so. well, I'd, I'd been in Wellington for about two years, and yeah. then I started that um, at CD store. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or maybe so, even a year, two thousand, yeah, yeah two thousand one, two thousand two. So we've we we know uh, enough about each other over the over the last two decades. Really, we've in, interacted and mingled in a few different ways around music. Yep. Um, so let's go back and start to before I knew you, because I've heard you know I've I've heard you interviewed and read you um, interviews with you and other publications. So I know a little bit, but you grew up in Auckland. Yes. What was what was going on for you? Um, well, I grew up out in West Auckland, mm. Green Green Bay. Um, went to school in Onehunga, Marcelin mm. Marcelin College. Um, yeah, there's not 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 too too much to. What to did know, the, really? What did the family do? Why Why were you there? Like, <laughs> well, I guess um, my my family is uh, is Polish. Mm. Um, so my mother's parents, my grandparents, um, lived lived in Green Bay, and then when we initially, I actually lived in Wellington for the first three years of my life right. in Newlands, yeah. and yeah. then we moved to Auckland. Um, moved in with my my grandparents until we found our own house in green bay um very catholic traditional polish mm. household um although my parents 
inherently weren't right. They, they broke <laughs> so, the they broke the so, chain. <laughs> well, you know, they 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 did the minimum um, in regards to that respect, just right. to keep um, keep the grand you know keep keep the, keep, keep, keep the grandparents off their back. Yeah, keep them happy. Um, you know, like for example, um, you know, I lived in Green Bay, but I had to travel. You know, almost you know, I got quite quite a distance across town to to Royal Oak. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. To, to, to school because obviously my grandparents wanted me to go to a Catholic right. high school, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, my parents wanted me to go to a co-ed high yeah. school. Yeah. Marcelin College was the only co-ed Catholic high school in the in the country. Yeah. So a few, <laughs> so, a few compromises. So few. Um, yeah. So there's a few compromises, but you know. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I, yeah. I think we managed to kind of get yeah. by. Um, my mum passed away um, when I was young. When I was um, just before I moved to Wellington, actually, so right, I was okay. nineteen. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that was kind of part of the catalyst for moving, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. 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 She had cancer for ten years, and it sort of went in and out of remission, and then she finally sort of passed away in '99. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So you dealt with that right through your yeah. <laughs> is it right through your development your absolutely yeah, yeah yeah well yeah. I guess it kind of started when I was yeah well, it was the, the whole cancer journey started in high school so yeah. um yeah it was one of those kind of long things it was over over it was always kind of over yeah overhanging the family but yeah wow um it went away and then sort of comes back and you know how how that goes yeah but, yeah. Um, but yeah but it was testing and obviously looking back now as a parent it's like shit I could have <laughs> could have done things a, a whole lot better but that's all part of it right you know <laughs> It's, um, well, you've got a chi- you've got a child that must be your oldest must be around the age you were, or not just, far, yeah, 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 yeah not it, far. And I remember being told, um, yeah. you know, when I was, uh, you know, I think I was maybe third or fourth form. Yeah, right. And yeah. we were about to go to the mall, and um, you know, my my mum and dad come back from the doctor, and they tell me, and it didn't really register, and I was like, oh. We still going to the mall, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just that, that kind of you know. The kids' world. Is, yeah, yeah. Is the kid, what the it kids' is. world, yeah, and it's yeah. like you know, and I'm seeing that with my kids. And yeah. Kind of thing, and it is frustrating. But yeah. then I think back, and you got to ground yourself and think back to like, okay, yeah. well, just how how do they think? Yeah, no, you know, totally. <laughs> you know what, what is their world? Um, so you wanted to get out of Auckland at the end of all that, is what you're saying? Like, yeah. Well, it's it's tough, you know. Like, yeah. um, <clears throat> obviously. Um, Obviously, you know there was dad and, and my sister um, mm. still 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 living um, living in Green Bay. Um, it was tough knowing that I had to kind of leave leave that role because it kind of went from me being to son to, to his son to mm. me being his mate. You know, we, we yeah, did like yeah. quite a lot of strong bonding over that period after Mum passed away. Mm. Um, you know, like a lot of whiskies were shared and that kind of thing, and yeah. we sort of really got to you know for the first time we got to know each other. Yeah. In depth as mates. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he needed a companion, so yeah. uh, whatever role he might have had as a disciplinarian or a, you know, the earner, exactly. the, the the guy that, you know, paid for things, that that blurred into the background. And exactly. We were drinking yeah. buddies and companions. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He, yeah, he wasn't my dad. He was, you know, he was, yeah. my, he was my mate who'd lost his, you know, his, his, his soulmate. Mate, yeah, yeah. His soulmate, yeah. you know, so... I kind of, um, you know, I was there, there for him, and he was there for me, and that kind of thing. And, mm. um, so it's like a bit of a change in roles in the in the family, I guess. You know, like I've been living at a home. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I've been flatting since I was, you know, for about four or five years leading mm. up to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was um, 
definitely that was probably the most difficult thing about leaving. But at the same time, um, it's, it's like the Polish, they, you know, especially the, the older Polish, they thrive on misery. <laughs> it sounds bad, but it's yeah. like my, you know, it sounds bad, but it is like, you know, my grand, grandparents, you know, they, they enjoyed, they didn't enjoy, enjoy like what happened, yes. but they kind of just wouldn't kind of let it pass, you know? Right. And, and I guess, you know, everyone handles stuff and they, and in and, and the way, and it's like, you know, obviously they lost a child and mm. so on, so it's like it's really difficult for me to kind of, you know, pass any kind of judgment in that respect. Yeah. But I knew I couldn't move forward. Yes. Being, well, and they lived next door to us. Yes. In yeah. Green Bay, you know, yeah. so it was like they were such a, they were such an integral if, part of my life. And it, and it had been like, you know, like a year, year and a half, and, and she would come over and still cry and so on. And, and, mm. and it's like, you know, look, I understand that it's really upsetting, but it's like, I really need to kind of move, move on. Mm, mm. Uh, when you talk about them almost reveling in it, do you mean it from a point of view of like they get to reinforce their roles, who they are? Like absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's very much the traditional kind of, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the traditional Polish sort of family way. And I guess for yeah. that to be flipped upside down with the with with the child leaving before mm. the before the, um, the, the, the parent, you know, like... The strength you know, and family gets solidified by tragedy rather than happiness almost. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, like, it, it, it's always an unnatural thing when, when you when you lose mm. a child, but... Um, it's not the plan. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. the plan, but I guess almost it's, it's almost, um, you know, like it's almost more so in, a, in such a strong sort of yeah. Polish kind mm-hmm. of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of that, and um, I just sort of felt, yeah, the timing... The timing was right, and mm. you know there was, you know, opportunities sort of came up here. I had some friends living down here. Um, Dominic Howie mm. Tourette's, mm. Um, he had moved down here about about six months or something before I got here, and um, so he had a place on Arrow Street, mm. Mm. and um, you know, so it sort of made sense. So I came down, and they had a room going, and and there we go. That was that was the start of my Wellington journey, and um, in the year two thousand. So. Mm. And you will get to it. You've you've disappeared from Wellington but you've come back so you, yeah 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 um so where does music come into your life and all of this are you a, a voracious you know consumer listener of music from a really young age or is it maybe in that teen in those teenage years particularly um I'd say from a very young age you know like primary school age mm. I guess like um dad was always um a huge music fan and a big hi-fi kind of fan yeah, you know yeah. like um and it was that era wasn't it you know the you know people that had come into money or had their family set up in the in the 70s and 80s yeah the hi-fi systems with the a- absolutely they were like getting a swimming pool or a new car yeah. that was getting yeah, the yeah. Big well, hi-fi system well, yeah yeah it's one of those things you know like um like it's only now i know how how good Yep. His Thorin's turntable is, yeah, you know, right. it's yeah, like, yeah. and it's something that's it kind of always look, just looked like a crappy turntable to me, you know, next to yeah. my Technics, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now, <laughs> you know, now it's like, wow, that's a yeah. Thorin. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah. That so was good gear. It's really yeah. good gear. So luckily, yeah. like, I've kept, I've kept all of that. Yeah, awesome. Um, and like, yeah, so like from from early on, and Dad always encouraged it as well. If there was music that I kind of liked. 
So um, he was as, pretty as, open ba- as bad as it was. You know, he would you know he would grab me a cassette. You know, mm. whether it be like the La Bamba soundtrack or yeah, yeah. George Michael or yeah. whatever. You know, like and he would always kind of encourage that. And also, um, he would encourage the mechanics of like how to use a yeah, turntable yeah. and how to treat the turntable. Because mm. um, I think that's almost like quite a, a, a good thing to sort of be taught early on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I remember having that. I mean, we didn't have. My parents weren't hi-fi nuts, but the, they had a big, loud stereo and they had a record collection, and it was a big part of growing up. Yeah. And, and I got taught early on how to flip a record, and I felt like an ownership around that. Yeah. I felt a responsibility. Totally. Like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think from there, um, yeah, it was the the medium um, kind of intrigued me, and yeah. then um, then it, from from there it went to listening to his records. Um, and sort of yeah, developing my own kind of taste and mm. so on. So mm. yeah. Um, and then you find yourself what moving into DJing quite in, quite early. Yeah, I was at high school. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I obviously um, I'd been such a music fan. You know, I had yeah. I had quite a large. You know, like I'll just say like, the bulk of my income. Working at Decca, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at fifteen, yeah, went um, on music, went on music, yeah. Um, you know, like I'd get my paycheck and go straight to mm. H- H- HMV or yeah. Sounds or and you buying ta- Mall and tapes I'm, I'm buying, buying tapes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, the, I by high school, um, by the end of high school, I'd sort of built built up quite a large collection of music, mm. Mm. Um, tapes and CDs, and then yeah, I DJed it. Um, the school junior social when I was in seventh form that was my first ever kind of DJ gig yeah. I put my hand up and I hadn't I'd never even used any DJ equipment I'd just yeah. kind of read about it um, and you know mix mag and things like that yeah and um, seen pictures turn that off hey? oh. <laughs> um, yeah i just seen pictures of mixes and kind of in the back of magazines being advertised and I was able to kind of um, <laughs> Sorry, it's draining out. Yeah, I'd I'd seen pictures of mixes and I was able to kind of look at it and from like what Dad had taught me, I was able Mm. to kind of work out how they use without even having one in front of me. Right. Um, So when... Really sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so when when the time came to... We hired a mixer, which was like big... A big bulky... Big big bulky thing. Um, I plugged like a tape player in one channel and then... um, a CD player in the other channel. Yeah. And I think I had a second tape player. Yeah. Um, and there was like a crossfader, and I was able to kind of work it out on, on the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was because if you didn't, it kind of wouldn't matter in the sense that people in that that crowd then, with a one of their students doing it, you would have been cool no matter what. Oh yeah, but, yeah but exactly. Yeah, could, yeah. The fact that you could do it on some fairly competent level probably made you a god. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was pretty funny. It was. Um, it worked so well that I kind of knew that. Yeah. I was kind of destined to do it, That's and like I'd always like playing, you know, music to people. Mm, mm. Um, you know, like, and I still love playing music to people, and and more sharing. Music which I don't think they know. Yeah, introducing yeah, like, things. introducing new music, but not in, like, a, not in a not in a boastful, forceful a, way. Yeah. Just in a hey you man, you might like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. might like this. Yeah, yeah forcing yeah. it never works. But, yeah, um, yeah, no, that's um, you're an idiot if you don't listen to this. That's not the right yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to ease it in. Yeah. Um, 
but um yeah so that was kind of the start of it and then um yeah from there i started buying records without even having you know proper dj turntables yeah. i actually had a i had a turntable just an old yeah, like yeah. an old kind of dunga turntable which i used to yeah listen to records on but then yeah just built up a record collection and then um sort of late 90s i was sort of presented with one of my first dj dj gigs yeah which was um it was at the king's arms actually yeah and i was supporting a, um, a friend's band they asked me to come and play and um yeah it was a rip roaring yeah <laughs> good 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 time yeah yeah so you're kind of the start of it and so yeah you've been djing for 20 years 20 years 20 plus years uh yeah i was, yeah. was like maybe 16 yeah 16 when i first yeah. first um started djing for so 25 years yeah i guess technically yeah, yeah, yeah. but um yeah i guess you know DJing professionally for maybe 20 years. Yeah, yeah. So you moved to Wellington and you end up with a job at the CD store, which is where I met you. Yes. Um, and you, how long do you work there for? Probably about the same amount of time I did. For a long time. Oh, yeah, a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for a long time, I think. I think I started like a little bit before you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, started off on, on Cuba Street and then moved down to... Um, down to Lampton Key. And this is when, uh, you know, the CD store as a brand was a was a big deal. It was. You know, there yeah, were, yeah. I think at the peak, there was something like seven stores in Wellington. Yeah, because what did they seven buy? They, they bought... They bought... Um, they bought what was Tandy's and yes, then more. Yeah, and yeah. They, they created the Planet Jack Planet brand. Planet Jack brand, yeah, yeah. Which was part of the CD store. And yeah, Jack.com. Yeah. <laughs> Which was so weird. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Jack was the name of one of the dude's sons. Oh really? Yeah. I, I, don't know if it was, I think it was Neil. Now it was the two dudes who owned it, Roger yeah, yeah. and Neil. I think Neil's son's name was Jack. Interesting. And he wanted to name it for his son. Yeah. And it was when like people were just getting into it's the like, start of the internet, eh? Yeah, yeah, like smoke CDs was <laughs> yeah. the was probably the thing in yeah. Wellington that was the that that worked out the online model yeah. in as much as there was one better than anyone else. And C D store was trying to get in on that. So they created this rival discount brand for themselves called yeah. planetjack.com and then realized it was fucking stupid it was a dumb name <laughs> they kept the website for a while yeah 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 no, i remember now yeah goodness yeah so we both moved around as, as a lot of people did a, a few of the different stores um i started in lambton key and then i opened the i, I opened the store in courtney place in the cinema complex there was one oh, in there. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, there was a right. little, little shop there, so I worked there for a while. Then I ended up the last manager of Planet Jack, which is where we caught up again because by that time you had got the keys to the kingdom with Chelsea Records. Yeah, well, that was always the plan. Mm. Like, they kind of, that was how they bribed me um, to actually move from the set, I think, yeah. from, um, from, was, it, was I, this? yeah, I was at Planet Jack and then they convinced me to go down to Lampton Key mm. and they kind of said, you know, look, you know, you're kind of next in line yeah. for, um, you know, for, yeah, for yeah. Chelsea when, when, Zen, when Zen decides to leave. So yeah. he's, and he's been talking about it. So, you know, if you do this move in the interim, then, um, you know, yeah. once once we get the call, then, you know, Chelsea's is yeah. yours. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that's the, you know, as a fairly um, prolific working DJ mm. um, at that time working that's at a it. record store is just 
Yeah, you know, you a can, playground. You, you can't you can't get any better. Yeah. Um, you know, the first pick. Of, yeah, it's like Disneyland. Of all, of all vinyl. Yeah. Um, that comes essentially yeah into the city. Yeah. Being the gatekeeper, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and probably learning a bit off some of the. Um, regular customers too, of course. Oh, abs- yeah, because you're, absolutely. Because you're yeah, servicing yeah. some of the other DJs and vinyl enthusiasts and hip hop junkies and dance music. Yeah, well, um, that that was the thing is like um, my background was predominantly kind of hip hop yeah. focused, you know, with a, a with an interest in you know obviously like a lot of electronic music and everything really. So I was a, definitely a jack of all trades, but master yeah. of master of none. So yeah, yeah. being able to have that. Sp- you know those conversations with people that are dedicated to yeah. individual kind of genres was just really helpful, and it was you know such an important learning mm. um, learning process for me. And um, yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, Chelsea Records is a was a well known Wellington brand before the CD store. Yes, and then they they took it over and gave it like a last a last run. Yeah, um, and so. Chelsea Records existed as a store within a store. It had its own entrance and it had its own clientele. Yes. But people could wander from the main store into it. Yeah. And sometimes they wandered very quickly back, <laughs> back out. You <laughs> yeah, know, because, as, as you do. Yeah, 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 because they were like, oh, I don't need to be in here. This is not for me. Because yeah. it, it had that, to, to a person who wasn't um, planning to go there, it probably had that snob factor absolutely that, which which record stores kind of have to have especially as, as we were taught <laughs> yes. you know that was kind of you know yeah. you kind of had to be like that oh, and totally. like, I, I found myself obviously being probably the nicer of most mm, people mm, that run mm. record stores like yeah totally pretty, um empathetic to, to yeah. people um well you had a you had a good training in the sort of mainstream commercial record stores that are actually there to sell what's playing yeah um and you had that knowledge and you had your own sort of music knowledge outside of your special focus totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. um it was def- definitely a really interesting culture and, and oh, it was, yeah. and, and as as much of a as as like a throne as it was for sort of um you know as a dj yeah, it was still yeah. extremely humbling you know because you yeah. have people that come in that just know four times as much yeah. as of you and can make you feel like an idiot like, oh yeah just like that you know and like that and you know that that's that was their goal when they came in yes you know? yeah 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 <laughs> and I, I i managed the um the main store and i could feel some days like i you know, it was running that counter well and I knew I could predict what people wanted to buy. I could make great recommendations and they'd take them. I knew the right things to play in store. And then for maybe an hour covering your lunch or Duncan's lunch, or, <laughs> or I remember a couple of times you both were away. I can remember a whole week of running Chelsea Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a thrill, but it was fucking scary. Yeah, right? So I know firsthand that. Like, I could go from being like, man... I have this all sewn up. I don't need to use the computer. I can answer every single question a person comes at me with to, oh, my God, it's like first day at school. Yeah, well, yeah. it's grounding. And, yeah. and the thing it's is, great. like, you, you, you did need that because obviously you're learning, yeah. you're learning yeah. so much. But, like, obviously, um, as, as, as a DJ, you know, the ego is just out of control. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. Like, so that kind of balanced me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, Like, it can, yeah. Um, now you're still in your sort of early mid twenties here, yeah. and you're running the record store. You got the, as I say, you kind of got the keys to the kingdom. You're in Disneyland every day, yeah. And then you're playing quite a bit. You're starting to play quite a bit. You've got a record, sh- uh, a radio show. Yes, I guess um, the the Wellington kind of shows really 
started up when we were asked to, um, when both me and Duncan, yeah. Duncan Croft, yeah. uh, who was um, my partner in crime at Chelsea, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were asked by Bryce Mason, who um, was, uh, sorry, step back, we were asked to do the Friday night show on Radioactive, mm-hmm. which to us was um, was pretty amazing because, mm. you know, it was a rotation of DJs, including yeah. like, you know, DJ Moo and V mm. and I think maybe Clinton Smiley and so all of our kind of yeah, heroes. Yeah, yeah. In the Wellington scene, you know, there's people that have been DJing for years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we were kind of thrust in, in that rotation. So um, mm, playing with the big boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. We kind of knew that was the start. That was yeah. that was the start of it. Um, and that that was you know that was fun. You know, mm. like there's nothing. Yeah, that was the start of from my broadcasting, I guess. Mm, um, mm. And I did the flavor for a long time. Mm. That for years. Um, and. Through the flavour, I think, is where most of the DJing opportunities um, I got yeah. sort of came. So, yeah. like, after the flavour, we were hit up by Bryce Mason, who was about to open sandwiches. Yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, I was asked to be the resident DJ there. Um, people that listened to the show who didn't really know us, you know, it's like the, mm. Leon and Sam from the Matterhorn, mm. um, Clinton from Good Luck, you know, so it's a, a lot of, you know, a lot mm. of my main kind of early... And what was the difference for you? How did you, how did you find? You know, I know you'd had some experience playing out, but what was the difference between being a kind of a broadcasting DJ and a, and a club DJ? Like di- having to wear both hats at the same time, sort of thing. It took a while yeah. to find that to find that balance. You know, like because they um, are different. Yeah, they are. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's always hard to explain without being there. Mm. Um, but you know, essentially, you, you you do have to kind of play more crowd friendly, and you can't be as self indulgent, yeah. Um, obviously, as, as as the radio. But mm. you know, you find that balance, and I mm. think I struck a, a balance relatively quickly. Um, uh, the the under, the need to kind of get across what I wanted to do, um, paired with um, with obviously having to entertain the crowd and you know playing mm. music that they obviously know and enjoy as well uh, um yeah so i think that that balance is what kind of kicked, kicked so these were me. these were good years it was yeah it was a lot of fun you got it no was, real responsibilities halcyon days yeah you know? yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah like i was djing four sometimes five nights a week mm. at, at pretty good money mm. um also kind of working close to full time mm. 30, 30 or something hours a week um, so it was it was it was a tough time but it was a fun time yeah, and, yeah. you know I don't remember much well, sort of, <laughs> sort of, I had Duncan there to sort of cover me you know it's like, all you know, work all play all the time yeah yeah and so, something had to give yeah um, nothing ever gave yeah, yeah. <laughs> until, until until I hit my 40s yeah yeah <laughs> but um but you know, like it was, it was a pretty self-destructive time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, and but you know, like I, I'd never do anything differently. Mm, mm. Um, well, what makes you? When do you go? This is where the timeline gets blurry for me. When do you leave Wellington, and why? Um, to be honest, I think my father noticed the self-destructive lifestyle I was get, getting into. And he probably, I think he sensed that it was, that I, because I hadn't really travelled much. Yeah. 
um, previously. You know, there'd been a few trips to Australia, yeah, that kind of yeah. thing, but like I hadn't really travel, traveled, traveled. Um, and I think he just sensed that you know maybe maybe I was looking for something that you know I couldn't find in New Zealand, and it was mm. time for me to kind of really see mm. see what was going on outside of the country. Um, and I guess he was right, you know, like, um, it was kind of like a, I'd been obviously dealing with a lot of overseas countries directly through the record store. I had made like mm. a lot of friends and connections pre-internet, mm. um, or, or very early, yeah. very early internet. Even when there wasn't, the yeah, describing yeah. it now, because yeah, yeah. it's, it's pre-social media and instant yeah, messaging, yeah. messaging, it yeah, feels like pre-internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pre, pre-social media, I should yeah. say, because yes. um, yeah, the communication was all done by email. Yeah. Um, and he was right, so I, I left to go to the UK with a stop in, in, in the States. Um, it was 2007. Mm, mm. Um, 2008, yeah. Mm, mm. So you go to LA... Yes, we stopped off in LA. Yeah, um, that was that was my first kind of taste of the world. Really, mm. um, I'd sort of met. I'd kind of decided on the gigs I wanted to go to um, before we even got there, and I think it was Wajid and the Platinum Pipe Pipers and Metaphor from Stone's Throw and all that kind of thing. Mm, so I knew mm. if I went there, I'd probably meet or like be mingling with some. Yeah people that I wanted to sort of yeah. talk to. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, I kind of weaseled my way and I kind of met like the head of Ubiquity Records and one of the guys who ran um, Fat Beats and um, and just a, a bunch of kind of label label cats and ended up staying for a, a little bit. Had the, the odd DJ gig here and there. I was mm. staying in West Hollywood. Mm. Um, and it was just, yeah, as, as a you know, a 20, 20 something who has never, all never really lived, <laughs> lived anywhere and only read about kind of stuff in magazines. This is all sounding pretty charmed life. Yeah, well, it kind of was. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's, um, it, it just, everything kind of fell into place. Mm. Um, I did have to leave the States eventually, um, but I stayed there for as long as I could and then ended up in the UK. Um, mm. And I guess that's when things crumbled a little bit. <laughs> Why? Well, how? There was an ant- anticipation, and I guess like a an optimism on my end, mm. um, probably fueled by a combination of of ego and naivety, mm. um, that I would just you know find work at a record store straight away because because, that, I, because that, I'm Kiwi that, and I know all this stuff about music and I and know, that's kind of I what know, had happened and I know know all the yeah. right people and um, yeah. you know and and you know I was kind of told oh yeah there'll, there'll be something for yeah. you here when yeah. you get here and um, sure enough I arrive and and you know this the people that I was supposed to link with it never really happened yeah it wasn't work going and and my money was starting to run out. Mm. And um, you know, so there was a lot of yeah, a lot of moments where I'd just go to the park and in Soho and just kind of sit there and sort of wondering what my what my next steps were. Mm. <laughs> did uh, you did you think about coming home a lot? Well, this is all within the first month, so right, I knew okay. that was kind Not, of yeah, 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 yeah. You knew there was a period you had to yeah, endure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just thinking it's it's a lot easier to be broke at home. Home being the place you're used to yeah. one way or another than it is to be you know there's there's an excitement about 
backpacking on the cheap and stuff like that, but that's usually done with money and a backup supply yes, for absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Actually being skint with no job somewhere that's new to you. And yeah, isn't as romantic as it, as it already yeah, doesn't yeah. sound. Yeah. So, so what I what I did is I, I just felt extremely alone, you know. And, mm. and obviously, like you said, pre-social media, there's no yeah. way of instantly contacting yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was about two months in, and I managed to kind of just kind of swing it that long. And then I was like, you know, fuck it, I'll I'll go to the Black Seed show. Because yeah. then, like you know, because yeah, yeah. I knew those boys, yeah, like, yeah, I know yeah. Maddie McLeod and things like that, and I knew that like a whole lot of people, you know, essentially mm. all those shows are just filled with Kiwis. So I knew if I went, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, I'll um, sit, I'll meet, you someone. know, I'll, I'll I'll meet people or I'll catch up with people mm. I don't even know were here, and yeah, so yeah. On. and that's exactly what happened. I, I went to the show. I caught up with um a good friend Cam who um um who I used to live with um in Wellington for a bit. He's like, oh man, like. Don't worry, come and come and live with us. You know, let's stay on our couch for as yeah. long as you need to. You know, we'll feed you. Blah 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 blah. Um, and that was brilliant. You know, it's like, and from there, um, I pounded, I pounded and pounded um, the the doors at, at Scenario Records, the record store, and mm. um, and the boss Ed. Um, he, he finally he he gave me a call. He was like, oh, you know, we need some stuff done in the office. We can't pay you, but. I'll cover your lunch and your travel and flick you a bunch of records and yeah. to me that was like oh well that's enough you know yeah 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 no, it's like foot in the door stuff yeah, too yeah yeah. yeah yeah and um and after day one I had a, a full time job there yeah yeah <laughs> which which was brilliant you know like mm. um yeah I kind of it was one of those I went to the office they get a call because you know Sonoro uh, Records was a shop a label and they also had like a, a distribution office yeah out, out, um and in West London um, and I was working out in the office in West London you know sending off some orders and doing some digital admin stuff and um, yeah later on on that first day they said oh look you know we went down to the shop um, you know we need you to go down to the shop yeah and um, yeah went down to the shop met, met the crew started um you know, like, I wasn't working overly hard, you know, I'm still... You don't need I, to I, there, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm still just kind of just getting on with stuff. Yeah. And they saw that as, um, you know, working extremely hard. Yeah, I <laughs> Which is quite interesting. This is, it's like, I'm just alphabetizing records here, may, you know. It's like, maybe about 10 or 15 <laughs> years before you're talking, I, re- I remember my brother's first handwritten letter home from England, mm. marvelling at, like, two-hour lunch breaks and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, 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 but frustrated by it, just going, you know, I actually turned up here to fucking work. Yeah. Oh, people, oh, I know. These people are Absolutely. lazy. That's, that's, that's what it was like. Yeah. You know? like he could not, not, ar- not. Arriving at work, uh, you know, the, the basement to the shop was like um, a room with like four computers and like there'd be four dudes sitting there just kind of smoking and yarning, mm-hmm. you know, in this basement yeah. underground, um, you know, doing lines and all sorts of shit at 10 in the morning. <laughs> and, um, and like it'll be like, well, okay, I don't know, it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> um, going soon. <laughs> yeah, the manager of the store was like, um, he was pretty loose, but then he was like, well, I guess we've got to have someone that actually does do some of the work. So mm. you know, we'll, yeah, you can you can start officially tomorrow, and we'll pay you, you know, a thousand pounds, a you know, a thousand pounds a month, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it started from there. So that was kind of like my my foot in the door. Yeah. And yeah. I guess you know, it's a it was a some of the thing. Um, which you know was a catalyst to meeting the right people and um, mm. and uh, getting those gigs. 
um, yeah. in, in the UK, which which were were handy. So, yeah, um, yeah. You know, like obviously with the with the cost of everything over there. Yeah. Um, supplementary income is was pretty important. Yeah, yeah. So, what sort of um, key experiences or brag stories happen around this time for you? Because you've got a few. Um. Shit. Well, I, we, we um. I. I moved to Camden um, with my, I moved in with, with Rose, my, my, my wife in her best friend, um, right opposite the Jazz Cafe in, um, mm. in Camden. And um, so that was, it was pretty painful in itself because, you know, you'd be walking past and, you know, it's like the far side will be playing on a Tuesday, or, yeah. you know, or like... It's just unbelievable just the amount of talent that I had mm. to kind of walk, walk yeah, past walk every past. day, you know, <laughs> extremely broke. Um, yes. I was able to get like... So there's know, a pang of excitement that it's happening. Yeah. And then the second pang of regret or, you know, loss that you aren't going to be part of it happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I guess like um, I can give you examples of two of those things. Excitement would be... Um, I walked past and um, Roy Ayers was sound checking wow. at a, yeah. um, I think it was like one in the afternoon. Mm. I was like hung over and walking to the to the shop yeah. to get some chocolate milk. And um, walked past and like I you know, I saw Roy Ayers on the sign, I could see him in there and I just like popped in and watched like half an hour of the sound check <laughs> and you know, and then just Amazing. Yeah, thanked him and then yeah. gave me a shout out. A guy who'd yeah. been on so many records you would have, <laughs> yeah. you would have played and owned. Yeah, absolutely. In, including the ones that had his name on them. Yeah, all abs- of the ones abs- that people took from Absolutely, well. yeah, just yeah. like bumping into him yeah. performing yeah, yeah. on my way to get chocolate milk. Yeah, He's like, like one of the secret ingredients of what you've been doing and what you're about. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess um, in regards to regret... Um, uh, Rose and her best friend Jenny decided to go see Jay Diller um, across Fuck. across the road, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I just it's not really in the mood t- tonight." Mm. Um, you know, like, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm a little bit broke, and I'm, you know, just not really in the in the, in the zone for it. Mm. And you know, she, you know, they went to the show, and she comes back, and she was like, "Yeah, it was like a little wheelchair." don't actually know why is it like part of his kind of show or like what's the story and like no one even really knew he was sick at that time and so I think yeah I jumped on top went to an internet cafe and I jumped on OK Player and of course you know looking back there's big threads about how um, you know he's not he's not well and had, had lupus and um, been hospitalised for a while um, so yeah so that was obviously yeah, she said the show was phenomenal. Mm, mm. But, um, you know, I'm not going to regret this. Yeah, it's <laughs> right up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a $10, you know, yeah. a $10 gig that's literally yeah. across the road from your yeah. house. It's like, yeah, yeah. why? You know? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, obviously, we you know, we found out he passed out. It would have been maybe a month after, after mm, that. Wow, um, yeah. Which, I guess, yeah, ties into working, working with um, the Scenario label, which... Um, Which was a trip, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, after the towards the end of my stay in London, maybe um, I'd been at Scenario for about a year and a half or so. Um, the show, uh, the, the the shop was kind of winding up, as was all kind of brick and mortar record mm. stores, mm. and um, you know we were one of the last last sort of physical stores floating around. I ended up um, working. Closing the store and then working out with Ed, the owner, 
in um, in West London um, with his kind of on the distro side of things. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've, t- I've told you the story kind of a few, a few yeah, times, yeah, yeah. but um, we were in the process of releasing um, uh, Slum Villages. Uh, Fantastic Volume 1 which was a record that never got an official mm, release mm, at all it was mm. um, only ever bootlegged Fantastic Volumes 2 had a major label release it's like the um, <coughs> Bob Dylan's Great White Wonder of hip hop 100% isn't it yeah, yeah yeah. so you know it was one of those records where like you know copies had passed hands yeah. you know and like yeah. you know bootleg copies had everyone knew about shows, it and everyone, people talked about it they hadn't heard it yeah, and, 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 and it. people yeah. even knew the songs you know yeah, like yeah, I think yeah. a couple of the tracks maybe were yeah. pressed up on, on, yeah. on bootleg vinyl and that yeah. kind of thing um, but we had secured the license to do to give it like a, an official an official release mm. in Europe um, but then obviously like um plans evolved for us to remaster it and um you know we gave it new artwork and we spoke to um um we spoke to Questlove and he gave us the um he gave us some extensive liner notes about the mm. recording of the process the recording process of that album and um and a bit of the history behind it and stuff and um we were kind of midway through that when um Jay Diller passed away so um so yeah, it was kind of a, it was a, it was an unusual feeling because we were mm. we were you know like he was such an intrinsic part of that whole mm. record, mm. Um, and then he passes away, and then you got people that own the kind of rights, you know, hitting us up. It's like, well, you know, we want this out now, you know, mm. when it's like it was still in the works for maybe four or five months. It goes from being this um, ultimate passion project to, for some people at least, a money grab. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's. That that whole art is commerce. Yeah, exactly. Thing is yeah. unfolding which, in yeah. front of you, and yeah. you're and you're complicit. <laughs> yeah, which for some people, you know, like um, you know, we had Maureen Yancey, J, mm. J Dilla's mum, mm. um, Mardilla, Mardukes, yeah, um, call us up in the in the office, you know, and I I took the call. It was like maybe a couple of days after he passed away, wow. and it was like pretty surreal. Mm. Um, I just kind of hear hear her voice. Um, but you know, like at the time, I was thinking, shit, that's that's pretty rough. Like you sort of calling wanted to rush this process along, but then obviously I discovered that that they were in quite a hole from medical from bills, medical bills, yeah. and that kind of thing. So yeah. you know, like fair enough, you know. Yeah, like dig a, your way out. Absolutely, you know. So like, I didn't kind of realise that until yeah. like a little while after. Yeah. Um, but then there's other people, you know, that were obviously money hungry, mm, and mm, mm. you know, my my boss probably included. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah, which was, which was pretty yeah, it was a pretty strange feeling. Yeah, it was pr- pretty pretty hard. But you know, like we we ended up releasing the record, and it, it sounded great, and um, and it was one of those records that really did need a proper release. And yeah, I'm really glad that we were part of it. Yeah, the process. To and for you, with everything you've done up to that point, in terms of you're playing and your your interest, you're collecting in music, being a fan of Jay Diller. Yeah. It's pretty special to have Absolutely. this story yeah, to be yeah. that connected. Because some of us feel connected enough to it just just streaming that or yeah. uh, owning that record. But yeah. you, you kinda of, you had a hand, an actual hand in it. Yeah, yeah. Well that was yeah, that was that was the thing, you know. Yeah. I remember having um uh when Recluse 
and his band, mm. uh, Madan and uh, mm. Ricky Gooch, uh, they all came to, to London to do a, a big show at the Jazz Cafe and, and a lot of them stayed at our house, obviously, because we were yeah. across the road and I was playing Ricky, the, the remastered, um, you know, volume one. Yeah. And, and yeah. Shit, you know, we just spent the, the night kind of just, you know, drinking cheap, yeah. cheap vodka and just listening to it over and over again. Yeah, just, just yeah. marvelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just straight marvelling. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like a... It's like a songs in the key of life or something, isn't it? It really you is. Know? It yeah, is yeah. It's, it's, it's of that magnitude yeah. for, for people who care. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I really, do, yeah, I think the the, the liner notes and the, and the story behind it that yeah. Chris Love wrote yeah. um, really kind of summed up how why it's so important and yeah. how it's so special. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, um, it was a pretty crazy project to be involved yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when do the wheels fall off in London? It's hard to say, you know, like, um, the, it really was, I think it really was just one of those, me and Rose were just having a bad day and the opportunity came up to come home. And so we thought, screw it. And we did. Hmm. You know, kind of regret it, but then also like things happened here, which were, amazing so it was kind of um you know i wish i did stay longer mm. but at the same time you know I'm, it was we kind of blessed with the life that that we picked up and back in wellington you come back to dj work obviously yeah 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 i, I you were able to organize that pretty quick i was able to organize that before i came back yeah um luckily um the residency down at down at good luck bar um i had some really i had some ideas about what i wanted to kind of do and mm. Um, just by kind of seeing what was kind of going on in the rest of the world, and trend trend wise, music wise, mm. um, and I'd obviously built up a a pretty massive arsenal of you know promos and yeah, exclusive yeah, stuff yeah, and, yeah. and demos and yeah. and all sorts of um, music over my time in the UK. How was lugging all that back? Um, we had to have it shipped separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it was one of those, yeah. Was there a, it was a whole an anxiety around that, like waiting, you know? Um, of of course, little, there, there yeah. always will, will yeah. be, you know, yes. like, um, you know, I... Separation I, anxiety. I, I, yeah, I, I, I still had, like, a a case of carry-on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was, like, my... Nearest and dearest. I can't, I can't lose these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. The stuff you run out of a house fire with. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, yeah. that's the one. So I had that that case with me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, it was, I was pretty impressed actually with how we managed to yeah to, to send almost the whole flat yeah um from one side of the globe to the other so and, and what else do you do when you get back here so you're working at real groovy um i actually started working um because after in the uk i um the record store stuff wound up and mm. i kind of had enough um because yeah, things were starting to get a little bit sketchy with the, the bootleg yep. pressing stuff, which I didn't yeah. really touch on. Yeah, um, yeah. But I started working. Do you want out. to talk about it? If you, if you want to, it's pretty. pretty <laughs> I mean, I know a little bit about yeah, it. But yeah, it's yeah. pretty interesting. So, there's a nefarious 
sort of side side wing side <laughs> operation to the you know it's a little it's starting to sound a little bit like good organized crime isn't it but there's the there's the official shop front that does the real business wow but that, well it doesn't even really do right. the real business yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was the thing like the yeah. shop was always really quiet and, right. and, I, and I was working okay so it is just like yeah crime. yeah and you know I would sell a few records a day yeah. and yeah. like uh, and then even you know when I was working in the the distro office you know it's like it, there wasn't really that much going out because mm. we weren't really getting any new stock at mm. the time we're like why are you, you why would you want to buy any new stock yeah. when um when when you're not selling it i'd always wondered you know it's like how can he pay people how can he pay people how can he afford to keep everything open mm. um so what was going on is um there was a bootleg record operation kind of going on on the sideline yeah um Obviously, I can't divulge too much. Yeah, I don't yeah. really want to name names. <laughs> but um, it started off as kind of out-of-print hip-hop and and the classics and that kind of thing, you know, like just just great 12-inch releases, you know, yeah. like old, old Tommy Boy releases and yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. That had disappeared. That had just disappeared and hadn't been repressed, and, yeah. you know, and were easily just repressed off a, you know, even off a CD, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and... So he had a, a printing press... It started off, he, he used to outsource, yeah, and then the opportunity came up to purchase the the, the, the vinyl press that yeah. he, he um, well, the factory that he yeah. was using, yeah, and uh, which he did, and that was um, that had like a, a, a vinyl a vinyl press and also a printing press in, the, in there as well, so you wouldn't even have to outsource the, the covers and stuff, yeah. it was an in house kind of um, an in house operation. Mm, mm. And um, and so that was that was the thing for a while, you know. Like a lot of my final moments working at the um, the distro centre was, you know, stuffing <laughs> stuffing LPs into cases and yeah. sending them out to. And we're talking like we're sending these bootlegs out to like HMV and all the the major right major yeah, record yeah, stores yeah, in the yeah, UK to sell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they were they were oblivious to. Yeah, so they, they think they're stock. They don't care. They're stocking. I don't, I don't think they, they yeah. don't actually they, care. They, they're they, stocking. They, what they probably knew, you know. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. Like there was a pretty clear mark on the on the in groove, you know, like yeah, a clear yeah. signature with our yeah. name on it. Um, yeah. On the on the in groove. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like after I left and came back to <laughs> came back to Wellington, I noticed like a lot of the records I'd been stuffing yeah. appearing on our shelves in, in, in New Zealand. And it's like, yeah. how far are these bloody bootlegs like going? And like, and I also kind of discovered from like the, the shipments that were coming in, they weren't only kind of rare, random, you know, mm. hip hop bootlegs that people no longer really cared about or noticed. They were just like, oh great. You know, I always wanted that track on 12 inch here. It is. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But there was coloured Beatles pressings and, and Rolling Stones picture discs yeah. and you know Pink Floyd, yeah, <laughs> Pink Floyd like coloured vinyl, you know, yeah. like in every colour of the rainbow. And I'm thinking, holy shit, this is this is major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's one thing bootlegging an independent rap artist, yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. um, but when you're getting into this territory, yeah, yeah, into the big um, money earners with, and the, if it's and if it's spreading all the way to New Zealand, yeah, how, how far where is else this, is it? How far is this web? <laughs> Being cast, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and so you were you were eventually able to answer just exactly how he was able to keep paying people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I had been long gone by yeah. that time. Yeah. But yeah, a few years later, I was contacted by um, an ex colleague, and he was like, he sent me an internet internet link of a um, of a bunch of bobbies. Yeah. Bobbies and kind of you know. <laughs> 
dudes with like batons wow. and, and riot gear kind of bum rushing the, the doors of this factory. Wow. Um, <laughs> which is, yeah. Um, but, you know, like I've, I've stalked the guy on Facebook and and see he's not in prison. So yeah. I don't know if he passed it on or if he kind of ducked out at the right yeah. time or whatever. But wow. Yeah. Fascinating. So, <laughs> so you kind of come back, you come back to Wellington and in a way you come back to a situation not dis- you've, you've had all these experiences and you've you've gathered more records and more skills but you come back to a situation a little bit similar to what you left you're working in a record store in DJing so yeah. it's a good again it's good good gig for you yes yeah. you just you're sort of doing the same thing but it's different yep different I, um, enough yeah well I, um eventually uh, yeah I think it was um, about a year after I was back, I started DJing straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, after I, you know, as soon as I got back to the, the country, um, I worked in a, a clothing store for a little while, but then I got employed by Mark at Real Groovy. Yeah. Um, as their their vinyl buyer. Yeah. Which was, um, you know, it was great. It was very yeah. different to an independent store. Yeah. But you know, like it's a, it's, it's still mildly independent. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I had a lot of freedom to kind of do whatever yeah, I wanted, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and Mark um, sort of trusted trusted what I was. Yeah, yeah. And Groovy had a obviously it, it, it died a death like record stores do, but it had a good last run for quite you know when the really time did. that you, yeah, you were yeah. there because I, I used to see you a lot there. I used to go and trade in a lot of my. I was still getting lots of review copies of CDs. Yeah, yeah. So of that was how I all, all the promos would see, was, would see yeah, you every yeah every few weeks every that, few weeks. Yeah, that was how I um, built up a lot of records. Yeah, that was my payment. You know, tra- totally. trade the CDs for DVDs and. Records and then trade the DVDs for more records, yeah, yeah. and books, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and, yeah. but there was a good, it was a good vibe that store for I the really longest enjoyed, time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that Mark, Mark was a, a really good guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I think, <laughs> as a working DJ, I think I've been pretty lucky with my bosses. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Because um, you know, like a, the the late nights, understanding and, of the, the, the yeah the, the late nights, but the, they the, also the drinking like yes. it's, it's definitely like it's. But I, yours I, I, I know I've tested a lot of people. And, yes, and but I, they what they got because they're music fans and they're trying to um, spread the passion and 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 get a an income out of it. They understood that you had a personal brand, that you were a personal brand. They understood that you know, yeah, people were coming into these stores to see you. For sure. To ask what you recommended. Yeah. To get your critique of what they were buying. So you had a value to them. So there was a good relationship there because of that, yeah. I, I take it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was yeah. always, yeah, it's always... I, I, know, I know it was, like, pretty testing for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yourself included. <laughs> well, there was, a, there was a time there where I was technically your boss and that I had to... I had to make sure you got paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually just more work for me doing that. Absolutely. When, you, when, you, when you're that kind of manager, yeah. you can kid, um, kid yourself that you're people's boss, but you're actually doing all the all the work they don't have to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, filling yeah. In, exactly. Chasing up timesheets <laughs> and filling things in so people get paid. But, no, I, you know, I mean, I, my, my time sort of overseeing Chelsea Records, you were the manager of Chelsea Records, but because it was within my store, I was 
technically responsible for both it was fine mm-hmm. I, enjoy, yeah. I mean I, as, as I say I enjoyed the chance to I used to get a lot of tips from you about things to check out sure I've always, yeah, yeah. I've always been into hip hop and dance music but on a very casual tip you yeah. know I'm, I'm too far across too many other things to be a specialist in it so totally. you were always very helpful and continue to be you know give yeah. me ideas well, for stuff Cheers. Yeah. Um, so real, you so you do real groovy for a while, and obviously that that runs a, its course. Are you out of there before the store? Are you there when the ship goes um, down? No, no, no. I had I left. You, I thought um, you'd gone. Yeah. yeah, I had left just before. Um, yeah. I can't actually remember why. I think it was you were just DJing for quite a while. Yeah, eh, too. I, I, I think because that's I, the thing I, think the, I wanna, the DJing kind of picked pick, picked up even further. Yeah, I want to um, I want to sort of get you to 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 or to reiterate this. I mean. You're making a good living off DJ. You were you were in the that, that yeah, was a full time job. Absolutely, you weren't, yeah, just, yeah. you weren't just doing um, sets because you wanted to. There was that as well. Yeah, obviously you dug dug it, but this became a good, a well paid gig yeah, for you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was um, you know three or four nights a week. Yeah, um, sometimes five. Um, add sort of private shows on top of yep. that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's a really good income. Yeah. Um, most of the time tax free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it just got to a point where maybe, yeah, I can't actually remember the reason I left Real Groovy. It was amicable, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think it was just time for me to move. Yeah. Um, my promotion, um, my promoting had kind of picked up by that point. Yeah, I started yeah. putting, on, putting on shows yeah. um, myself. What makes you do that um probably the love of an artist i guess yeah. and, and and seeing a hole in the market mm. um i guess building up um connections with people locally um like auckland-based promoters and australian-based guys as well mm. um and i don't think there was there was a bit of a gap for like the smaller shows yeah you know like yeah, um yeah. obviously you had the bigger touring companies doing the the, the bigger ones but then like the smaller shows the independent rap rap shows and, mm. and smaller artists you know it just wasn't really happening and a lot of those artists were people that we would really like you know like people like Freddy Krueger yeah um, a lot of the kind of independent kind of dance dance um, producers yeah um, like Sindon and really made decent stuff and yeah that kind of thing they were kind of passing through so I was kind of working alongside kind of a bunch of people you know like I was working alongside Bryce and the Sandwiches guys helping them do some yep. stuff and then at the same time I was working alongside Tim Ward and, yeah. and Siggy um, helping them, yeah, yeah at San Fran sort of helping them with like the hip hop side yeah. of things you know like RZA and when they they had, got a run yeah, of basically run of like, almost yeah, everyone from RZA, the yeah, RZA Jizza, yeah. Ghostface it was like yeah. Yeah, all, all in one go yeah, so yeah, I was kind yeah. of helping them with that yeah um and so yeah it was kind of like sometimes that extended over to you doing a DJ set but playing support yes absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no it would yeah. extend to that um, and then you know after party yeah. as well you know yeah. like I'll tee up an after party and that yeah. kind of thing which is you know that, that people forget that an after party is a is quite a big part of the equation yes. especially for a midweek gig yeah um people want somewhere to go after yeah. if a gig finishes at 11 and they're, yeah. and they're pumped on seeing their favourite artist and yeah. the day off work the next day anyway yeah yeah um, but yeah and that led to me doing my own kind of shows myself mm. now what what sort of um, 
I mean, there's always a risk involved, as I understand it, with with doing any sort of event. Yeah. Any sort of event, let alone promoting an event that requires you to, uh, you know, pay money to an international traveller and look after them in terms of... um, How have you approached handling that risk? And and what sort of, you know, how well prepared do you think you were for it? Well, (laughs) the optimist in me um, kind of meant that I was pretty ill-prepared if anything was to go wrong. Now, luckily I had more more hits than misses, Mm. but there definitely were misses. Yeah. And those misses, like, kind of would put me in a hole for a little bit and I'd be juggling juggling things for a little while. They put you in a financial hole. Do they put you in a, a, in a mental health spiral of sorts? Do they put you in a philosophical hole at all? Or? Well, in a way, you know, like, obviously, you know, like, I've got terrible insomnia, so it didn't help that at all. <laughs> but, you know, like... It's not the, the yeah. worst thing you could be doing for that. Yeah. Like... At the end of the day, if, if you know, like, if I owed money to like an Australian tour touring agency, I wouldn't be too fussed, and mm-hmm. I'd pay them eventually. But it was like, you know, like I, but you know, owing money to like Tom and the homebrew guys, you know, that's like when I kind of found my worst. There was a stage yes. right where I couldn't pay. Like, we did a show which I kind of I over, I, I over, I. I Brought too much in. Like it could have just been them, but I added like a, f- a bunch of like maybe yeah. six or seven or other acts right. that yeah. were payment and that kind of thing. And yeah. It didn't sell quite too as many well. nibbles at the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't quite sell as much as I wanted, and kind of ended up in a in, in, a, in a bit of a hole for that. And um, you know, owing them money was pretty felt pretty horrible because yeah. I, I knew that they depended on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was one of those things where like, okay, well, I can't pay you until I get the ticket money through from this other mm. gig, and like. Um, that's when I took the punt and did Action Bronson, who was relatively unheard of mm, at the time, mm. on like January, January 8th, you know, straight after New Year's, <laughs> yeah. everyone's got post-New yeah. Year's fatigue and yeah. and everyone's broke, but I was like, shit, well, this is kind of like my only real, real chance <laughs> to, to yeah. kind of try and get them some money. Yeah. Um, and luckily, like, you know, like, there was a lot of, like, you know, it was a few angry emails from from them, understandably. Yes. But you know, like we we were first and foremost friends, so it was yeah. kind of like you know, look, you know, I'm gonna make sure that you guys are all right. Yeah, yeah. And um, luckily, the Action Bronson show like sold out um, and and blew up. Um, that was fantastic. So I was able to sort of pay them and pay off because mm. the, the I, guys and it's you know like it was it was. Was looking back, it's like fuck. It's irresponsible. Yeah, it's, like, it's you know, stressful. It's, like, it's, it's, it's it's stressful. Like I loved the the excitement of it. Mm. Um, it was gambling to me. You know, yeah, it was, yeah, like, yeah. It was like the, the thrill of gambling. Um, yeah. And like it was pure. Yeah, like it was. It was a fluke that the particular show that sort of put me in the mm. whole um, mm. kind of even happened I'm still surprised by that but to this day mm. but you know like and I wasn't prepared for it and it happened mm. but, um, but, but, yeah. the, but you yeah, know it's, it, it's cool and like from that Action Bronson was great and now we're, now we're mates and mm. so, <laughs> um, I guess most people have an understanding with, with event promotion particularly gigs that you know I guess the the, the, the stress of it is you can never really 
100% know your market, right? You think you do. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You think you do, yeah, and you, yeah. can, you can cater to the right people, but, how, you know, there's always going to be this thing. You are dependent on people's money yeah. to not even make you money, but to cover your costs. Yes. You know, the goal, obviously, with anything would be to make money eventually, but, but just to cover your costs, you're reliant on the same people coming back. Yes. And they, you can't, you cannot guarantee, and they cannot guarantee that they'll come back every time. Of course, and there's, so and there's obviously you can go to the well once too often. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. always capital that you need yes. to start off with. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. flights need to be booked. Yes, um, posters need to be paid for. Mm. You know, um, yeah, you know, and, 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 unless you've got like an arrangement, um, yeah, to pay for that kind of stuff after, mm. which some things you just can't. You know, mm. um, yeah, there's. And this goes from smaller events than what you're talking about, right the way up. The chain, you know, like um, what's his name, the um, the main uh, Gadinsky in Australia, his his memoir opens with the story of the Rolling Stones postponing shows when Mick Jagger's um, girlfriend died a few years ago, and how he's on the phone for twenty hours nonstop because this postponement of the Stones tour could sink him. You know, yeah, this is absolutely. the guy who's been in yeah, the game yeah, yeah, for 40 years. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's a little bit of writing hyperbole about that because he's wanting to sell his book. Yeah. But that's a guy, a made guy, but it all balances on a knife edge. Yeah. So it's a fucking, frankly, ridiculous thing you're all doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and it really yeah, is. And we all, Even the smartest promoters, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, like Tech Dainty or, yeah, or Live yeah, Nation. It's like yeah, the couple, amount of money yeah. that's put into promotion and pre-expense. Yes. Um, it's absurd. You know, it's crazy. So if like, but yeah. we all need you to do if, it if, if, if we want to go. If, Bru- if Bruno Mars dies, yes, plane. Wasn't there a song about that? I think it was. <laughs> you know, like, but you know, when he's like sold out six, mm. six shows at, mm. at um at Spark. You know, yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. Where's that? You know, how do you recoup that money? Yeah, there's insurance for that, right? Yeah, I think there is. But, yeah, but yeah. it's but crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we we need we people who like going to gigs. We need people like you. And those tiers above you, to to be doing that, yeah. as mad as it is. Yeah, well, I'm you know? with, with 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 getting older has come <laughs> a little bit of a, a sense of a bit more responsibility. Well, so I'm wondering how uh, you know. I think I've got my answers as to <clears throat> why you've you're such a big collector of toys, sneakers, and thing and music. Um, you like the thrill of a gamble, and you've got insomnia. That's a recipe for. <laughs> I'm in your house and I can see Star Wars figures that haven't been taken out of the box. Uh, Can you explain it beyond that? (laughs) Um, Well, I guess like most of it is is pop art, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, And yeah, the Japanese made pop art through to um, original sort of 40-year-old Star Wars kind of vintage stuff. Yeah. The Star Wars collecting, I think came on pretty recently um i started really delving into that just after my dad passed away since we were pretty close and he Mm. passed away um three years ago now um and you know it was what star wars was always one of those things that we bonded over and you know i remember when he presented me with my first ever stormtrooper right yeah um, yeah and you know i remember when he came to to school to get me to sign sign a, a bank thing um a bank form because i was going to use my savings to get like a a star wars speeder and he yeah. went to the bank and they wouldn't you know i was five years old 
<laughs> and he, wow. he brought me a form which I had to write my name on to like take a date. Okay, so you and so like yeah, so because of that, I had a I just felt it was something I always wanted to do. So your Star Wars collections are uh, a little tribute to your father and to, yeah. and to your relationship. Yeah. Shared... It is, you know, like I've yeah. always been okay. a, a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah, you know, like yeah. since you know from. From, when you from, first from, from 81 when yeah. I was old enough to understand what it even was yeah um, and just yeah I guess the memories attached with having those mm. figures was like brilliant and are you original trilogy only or are you across the board with Star Wars I'm across the board you know I think the the, the prequel and the sequel trilogy have got their flaws but um you know there's there's some good so if you're picking a favorite it's that original core trilogy that's what you grew up absolutely yeah that's that's that was my first introduction that's your yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but you still you go and see the spin-offs you'll go and see the star wars film tomorrow you're there yeah yeah midnight screening yeah 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 Yeah. Um, so you you promote some shows you still play play shows what 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 happens next for you I mean, in, in and around this, you're, you're, you're building a family. Well, yeah, family. well, I guess, like, I, I, I retired, you know. Essentially, I, well, semi-retired. Yeah. Um, would have been about four, probably, yeah, just, just after Dad died, I guess, you mm. know. It's like I moved up to Auckland for the year to look after his estate and sort out stuff, mm. um, leaving behind all my residencies and, and shows. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of did, I was in the Eastern Block at the time. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. which yeah. is kind of another chapter, which yeah. was kind of like the, that to me, Eastern Block was like a nice bookend to my, yeah to that p- part of my DJ career. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It was like actually being the artist. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, I remember hearing Eastern Block, what was the, what were you trying to do with it and how successful was it? For you, for me, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess the one thing I hadn't done in my career was actually kind of release anything under my own yeah, yeah. name. You yeah. know, like I'd done like the odd kind of bootleg and bits and pieces like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, to actually sort of sit in the studio and sort of piece, create, 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 create music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm by no means like an expert. Like, luckily, like um, Artur, yeah, um, my partner in Eastern Block, he's. Um, you know, he was a, a really fantastic producer, yeah. um, and you know, classically trained pianist and violinist mm. and stuff like that. And and luckily, like we we got along really well, and so we had our relationship was almost like I was watching the man from my work. So it was pretty similar to yeah, yeah. It's pretty similar to the James Lavelle um, right. DJ Shadow relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're like, I was yeah, I was kind of the one partying all the time and turning up to the studio <laughs> I was going to hang over and well, like what, what I was going to say you know, was like with, with, with not essentially not too much skill on how to use um, use the equipment right. but a lot of ideas I was and going so, like, to was, there's definitely like I was watching that movie and I was going huh <laughs> yeah. I was going to say and I thought it would sound I didn't, I didn't want it to sound rude but you, but now you've said it yeah. I was going to say was Eastern Block your sort of DJ midlife crisis phase uh, yeah, like <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it really was, and that was almost part of the reason why I decided to to leave. Mm. Um, Eastern Block went on for three years, me and mm. Artur, and like we you we did we, shows. we did lots of shows, yeah. like um, you know, like we travelled, you know, yeah. Australia and then trips to Fiji and mm. all kinds of stuff, and um, and we released the record and it got to like number one on um on iTunes 
or like number five on the yep. pop charts and stuff, which you know, which yeah. doesn't really mean much. Yeah, that was me messaging a few mates and my grandma <laughs> like, saying, like, yeah, like yeah, and subscribe yeah, like yeah. and subscribe you know, buy my buy my my, yeah. my record um, and you know I think for me the pinnacle was you know it was Rhythm and Vines we were asked to um, play I think it was just before midnight on New Year's mm. um, on the on, on the main on the main stage which I don't know how we got that spot. <laughs> yeah, so it must yeah. be pulling some strings or just people just knew, like knew from our previous shows yeah. that it would be wild. And yeah. I think um, to me, it was probably the greatest show of my life. I think as a, as a DJ, being able to sort of play music that we created in the yeah. studio together yeah. um, to you know, like I think it was maybe six thousand people or something, and it was just that ultimate kind of Jesus Christ pose kind mm, of mm. DJ kind of moment for me. Um, you know, the nerves heading into it, the responsibility. Of it, you know, being yeah. like the that set before midnight, you know, yeah, you got yeah. the potential the potential to kind of really fuck up someone's like New Year's experience yeah. if you if you clang it, you know. And, but you know, luckily it was like yeah, it went perfect, and it was yeah, I almost it's, cried. It was it was like so perfect. I mean, I, I, my limited DJing is playing some records in some bars sometimes, but I I think as soon as you've got any sort of audience that's engaging with you, that's when the responsibility kicks in. Yeah. Hey, you know, it, like it, it, I've, it I've played at places like <clears throat> the San Fran too, too and an empty bar in the afternoon and a few people just enjoying a drink. And then I've done some nighttime gigs where suddenly you've got a dance floor yeah. and maybe you were hoping for that. Yeah. But then suddenly that that's a, then the responsibility absolutely kicks in. And, yeah. and and okay, it's just a Friday night and they can fuck off somewhere else. It's not it's I'm not equating it with main stage rhythm and vine. But as soon as people are buying into what you're doing, you've got to deliver. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that that's almost the case of almost every kind of club mm. club mm. gig in a way. Mm. But I guess um for that particular slot you know, it's like imagine if they were like fully hyped and then like the computer shut down and yeah. couldn't start or like something yeah. crashed and it's like yeah. everyone like walks out and it's like that's what they're gonna remember, you know? It's like, yeah, we were having yeah. like the time of our lives and then there was dead air. Mm. <laughs> and it's mm. like and they're not gonna forget that, you know? Mm. It's like twelve o'clock on a mid- midnight at New Year's. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um but no, luckily everything went smoothly. Captain Negative, eh? <laughs> But um, yeah, so that, so that was that, and like I kind of felt like yeah, obviously we had a bunch of other. That was kind of like the peak for me. Yeah. And then um, yeah, we had a few other like releases which I really liked. Um, didn't do quite as well as the as the EP, but we had some pretty strong kind of independent releases, and like, yeah. we, we were covered by Skrillex as um his blog. Yeah. And um and his his label. Yeah. And they kind of pushed us, which was really cool. And then it got to a so point... So you got it out there to the right people. You got it out there to, you know... Yeah, I was doing a lot of work and a lot of networking, um, a lot of DMs on Twitter. Mm. You know, it's like, it's it's pretty hard, you know, like, it's pretty hard to get yourself out there. You can kind of mm. see, like, why people pester other people. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it, it worked. For, like, I just sort of seeing, getting people, getting the right people's kind of attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess then for me, maybe a year after that, I was looking at our following New Year's schedule, and I think um, we had every major festival lined up, as well as like a trip to Fiji for some horrible George FM. Yeah. Like fucking, like, like, you know, one of those like spring break things yeah, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, bonding. And it's like, I'm just like feeling older and older and older, you know, and I'm like DJing to these, these 20 year olds. 
Um, and, you know, I'm looking at the schedule, looking at my general en enjoyment of each show, which was becoming less and less. I was feeling older and older and older. Um, I could tell Atua was getting frustrated by that as well. Um, and, you know, like I just was missing out on, you know, I didn't want to spend a summer away from my family. Mm. Um, I'd only just sort of started to really embrace weekends after sort of, yeah, after sort of giving up my residencies. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I just had a, had a chat to him. He was super cool. Um, I, I, I said to him, you know, like you can either, we can either scrap it and you can continue under a new name. You know, I'd, I'd really like it if you, continued under eastern block to sort of yeah on a on a like what, what, what we've done previously yeah, 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 yeah. um but you know it's 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 kind of your call and luckily he's decided to um yeah he, he decided to continue on with eastern block and yeah. still producing great music and he's kind of evolved musically as well which yeah. is great and diplo's playing his music now and um he's done done like remixes for billy eilish and yeah. that kind of thing and it's yeah it's really cool seeing him still still doing that and still kind of like sending me demos going hey yeah. what do you think about this kind yeah. of thing so i'm still involved yeah in a way yeah yeah um but yeah but i kind of felt that as a really nice booking to yeah. that kind of that yes. kind of chapter you know like yeah. the party you know party marriage you know yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and, one and, final yeah, blowout yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but since yeah since i kind of stopped the residencies and stopped all of that kind of had a rebirth of music mm. um, since I haven't needed to DJ mm. anywhere. You mean, when you say you haven't needed to, you mean ego-wise? Or do you mean financially or both? Um, just, I just, like, when, when you DJ every week, every week, even, yeah. listening to music... You, you listen to the first 15 seconds of each song and the, you, you basically you work out in that 15 seconds whether or not this song is going to be Got a, 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 yeah. applicable yes. to my DJ set like can yes. I use this in my DJ set if not I'm going to just skip on to the next track or next album yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and that's how I'd been listening to music for basically the last kind of like almost 20 years yeah um, you know, definitely the last kind of 10, 15, yeah, yeah. you know, as, as I became a professional DJ. Yeah. So once that stopped, I was able to kind of listen to an album from start to finish and like rediscover all these amazing records, mm. which, which I kind of skipped Shell, through. Shelved, shelved and, just, and skipped through. Yeah, and like, dealt with and it as just a tool had, the tray. Yeah, 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 yeah. And listen to it differently as well. Appreciate yeah. it not as a dance floor song, but as, you know, appreciate it for what it was. So it's, it's been a rebirth of sorts. Oh, I've, I know? mean, you know, I had I had a version of that in that when I was, you know, I guess again, not quite pre-internet, but pre-streaming and availability of, of almost everything, I, I was collecting up every, everything. You know, yeah. I had thousands of CDs and thousands of records, and I had, um, you know, I, I would go to the real groovy bins and buy dollar CDs for one track because... I'd played it in an Irish band or, you know, whatever. And I, it was my library. This was yeah. reference stuff. But I realised I was listening to music. that I was listening to music like a reviewer. Yeah, and sure. And so I, you know, my unpacking from that was to listen to comedy records and to listen, oh, to, cla wow. and to, listen yep. to classical music because yep. I was so used to, I mean, this was when I was working in a music store, then going home and reviewing yeah. and walking to work with 
an iPod probably or or driving to work with a CD in the car and it was just all analyzing music all day yeah so I had to make this break where I started listening to heaps of classical music because um, I've always liked it but I, I haven't written about it a lot and uh, yeah that was my that was and then I was able to suddenly go oh you know what I can listen to Steely Dan or Pink Floyd or Jay Diller and or whatever and enjoy, again and, and actually and just enjoy it for what it is yeah enjoy it sometimes it's the nostalgia yeah. of you yeah. know it's not a great album but it's a great it was a great album when I was a kid to I'm just enjoying this this is my first time hearing it I'm not planning to Absolutely. write anything about yeah. it so yeah I, I can I can see how and you would I, have had your yeah and I I, I never listen to music at home because yeah. I was so bombarded by yeah. it you know and like obviously Rose like Rose loves music and it was yeah. so frustrating for her because she'd put something on and yeah. I'd be like look I just can't I just don't want to listen to music yeah, yeah. but now you know like I've got a speaker in every single fucking room yeah. and it's like I just listen to music all day yeah. because you know I just really enjoy it and I'm mm. re- rediscovering all this mm. older stuff which I kind of glanced though you know I'm listening to like like heaps of jazz a lot yeah. of classical music yeah. as well like heaps of um like classical music score yeah um and it's yeah, it's just so refreshing, and it's like it's like a yeah. So it's, it's crazy the rebirth. It's yeah, like, just like, yeah. It's like a, a new a new love again. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah. Like a, yeah. No, no. I find um, now what I find is weirdly changing formats does that. I just found okay. a drawer. I just found a drawer of tapes that I forgot I had. Wow. Now they're not amazing. None of them are. None of them I think are like my all time favorite albums, and almost. All of them I've got on some other format, mm. but or had, but like on Friday night I put on Django Reinhardt and Stephen Grappelli on cassette tape. I have the exact same thing on vinyl. Yeah, but I put the cassette tape on, and it's triggering nostalgic memories. Wow! For the format. Yeah, and I'm having recollections that I just know I would not have had if I dialed Django up on Spotify. Yeah, I just know that. Yeah, and so of course. I sat there going, man. I was a weird kid when I was 13 I was listening to Django Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah. Why was I doing that? Oh, because I religiously read Guitar World magazine. Why did I do that? I don't really play the guitar. I just did. Yeah. And then I had a memory of twisting my ankle in a hockey game and sitting at home reading probably Guitar World for two hours listening to that very tape. Yeah. Now, I would not have had that memory if I'd played the same music. So I'm having that, and then I'm having like... I've got a very small curated selection of CDs now, you know, and I'm really, it's it's really really funny how that happens. Yeah. Like obviously I'm I'm going back through all my old vinyl because Mm. I'm kind of rediscovering um, like, you know, B-sides, labels, you know, which I I kind of glanced over tracks that I used to just skip to one song and play. I'd listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then finding a record, you know, which has got a particular Jaeger stain on it or a a specific scratch. And I'm like remembering when that, when that even happened, you know, it's like I can remember the exact night on the sandwiches back room where the specific Jaeger stains were yeah. created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible all that <laughs> stuff. But I'm having like um, even, you know, experiences like, you know, if you put on a record that it's, it's maybe it's not music that was particularly meant for vinyl, but playing it on vinyl is creating the urge to listen to it differently. Yeah. The example I can think of is I've got the box set of Daniel Johnston's early recordings. Now, that's about as lo-fi as you get. Yeah. They're all originally released on cassette tape. Um, you can hear him hitting the record button on his boombox. Yeah. 
there's no need for this to be on vinyl but the very fact that it's on that that it's being treated as an artifact makes me sit down and just listen to it rather, yeah. rather than put it on every speaker in the room and walk around the totally. house totally yeah, yeah because it isn't it isn't music for that yeah, it is yeah, music yeah. to you know if you're going to sit and listen to Daniel Johnston you want to hear I mean this is a guy that's basically opening his diary yeah. you know so you want to hear the lyrics of course you want to hear the it's, rudimentary it's a sit down on the on, it, on the single seated yeah, couch with a but it's not yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but with, it's, a, with a pipe and yeah yeah <laughs> but you know where some people might put on like you know a slick jazz record to, yeah. to sit down with their brandy or whatever which is hey I've done that too and will always do that yeah it's just funny how this is this isn't necessarily really the format for Daniel Johnston but for me it is yeah yeah of course having that as well because you got to pay attention to yeah. It. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. No, of course well, I guess you know that was, it was funny because one of the main critiques from the purists in the classical world after we released the um the LP yeah. last year was um the <laughs> the era of classical music on vinyl had finished, yes. you know, yeah. because of the CD. Because the yeah, CD yeah. was so revolutionary for classical, classical, classical yeah. music specifically. Yes, yes. Because I mean, of the, like the lack of you know the lack yeah. of like background noise and so on. That any kind of vinyl release after eighty seven yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. was just seen as a backward step. I mean, wasn't the <laughs> you probably know the thing, but wasn't the seat the length of the CD was determined by a particular classical work? Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. I should yeah. remember what I'm, it is, but it, yeah, yeah, it was. I it's like seventy eight minutes or whatever exactly. is the top. It was exactly. And it was, yeah, and it was like that was because this work had never been able to be played through, through recorded completely. in one yeah, sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which which made it devastating for hip hop albums in the late nineties. Yes. Because they, <laughs> decided we've only got 50 minutes of music we better come up with 18 minutes yeah, of skits. yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that's that's how it worked <laughs> so you we're starting to get into this you it's kind of the final phase I, I think you finished DJ midlife crisis party man yeah and you do the most grown-up thing you've ever done <laughs> and anyone in that situ- I've never situation my, I've never made my grandmother happy could could ever do <laughs> you take a job working with classical music, yeah, and you are behind the scenes. You are um, it's a it's it's not a proper desk job, but it's as close to a proper desk job as you've ever had. Yeah, you were you, so, you work yeah. for Orchestra Wellington. Yeah, I'm the marketing and conference manager, yeah. but then yeah, I'm also involved with the, like sort of the overall strategy. Yes, and, yeah, we're, which we're, you referenced like last year, you put out a a, a vinyl of yes, a double yeah, vinyl did, of Orchestra did, did LP, Wellington. Yeah, yeah. an LP. Um, yeah. And that, and so that, you know, I mean, I've, I've I've had Mark on the podcast, and he talked about it uh, quite a bit. But that plays to your your brand, your strengths, yeah. your interests. You're a I vinyl, so. you're I a vinyl so. guy, yeah, 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 exactly. And I think it's sort yeah. of almost testament to, well, I guess how I'd love the my generation to sort of start absorbing mm. sort of classical music. Mm. Um, it's one of those things which is, yeah, it took me. It took me going to my first show to actually be able to sell it. Yeah, um, that was always the initial problem because you know I was taken on, I was, I was taken on board to kind of help initially just with the social media and that kind of thing. And, mm. and my issue was like, okay, well, firstly, I know nothing about this music, and it's, and se- and secondly, it's kind of um, for me to sell something, I've got to genuinely love it and mm. enjoy it, you mm. know. And that's where my strengths are. If I love and enjoy something, mm. then I'll be able to push it organically. 
Um, and it only took my first ever concert to go, shit, this is wicked. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, these guys are so talented and the wall yes. of noise they create, you know, like why aren't all and of the And res- the yeah. respect that the audience gives it. Yeah. You like, know, the, the, com- the conversation between a classical audience and the players is is happening yeah it's just it's you know it's muted or whatever but yeah. it's actually yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a conversation it's and not as it's not as easy to decipher as the conversation between other audiences and genres yeah. and, until you've experienced it more than once absolutely and then you're yeah, like yeah. wow this is the thing like these pe- these people are interacting this, yeah the deep silence is is part of it absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. um and I guess yeah, like I the first thing I thought of was you know like why aren't all of my musician friends here? Yeah, um, because it's just such an incredible sort of sight and display of amazing musicianship. Mm. Um, mm. But you know, like I I didn't want to you know once once we got into like organisational strategy and kind of long term plans, you know, like, mm. like you know, every orchestra in the world you know wants to say yeah we want younger people at our shows you yeah. know it's like you talk to any other orchestra because yeah, yeah, yeah. they know that their audience space is gonna yeah yeah <laughs> you know um and but you know like just trying yeah if, if, if you're blatant about that then it's just corny you know and if yeah. you you know force feed anything it's not gonna happen so like my plan was just ignore that strategy and just do cool shit yeah, just do cool shit, and um, which Orchestra Wellington is really good at doing. And obvi- yeah. obviously, Mark, really, Mark, Mark is a really, really helps with that. crucial point to that. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like our players are really yeah. sort of social media savvy. Mm. Um, well, you know, like like a lot of them, a lot of them are, and mm. Um, mm. you know, Amalia is really great. Mm. Um, and I think you know, as a whole, it's kind of one of those things. We're like, and I don't, you know think we need to be seen as like the cool orchestra it's just you know we're just doing we're just doing us you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's that's our difference yeah and um yeah we're, but not, we're, not, we're not kind of force feeding yeah we, and you know we're we're mindful of our pricing structure mm. and accessibility and making but, our programming interesting and i think it's obviously a combination of a few but there is a you know there is a difference there needs to be a difference but there is a you know i'm not i'm not going to get you to comment on this because it's, it's probably not wise for you to but i talked about this a lot with mark like there is an absolute difference between seeing an nzso show and a and an orchestra wellington show and and he he went on record and said look the symphony orchestra is, is a better orchestra than us yeah. the, they are better players the right players are in the right orchestra uh we we can't compete with them but i I, there is a difference between seeing the shows and I, I've often over the last few years enjoyed the Orchestra Wellington shows more I don't know if that's because I'm less of a classical purist I don't think it's just that mm. just, there's just an engagement level that is different and, um, and, and positively different yeah you know? Well, I, th- I think there's definitely room in Wellington yeah. for, two, for yeah. two orchestras yeah it's not too much and, to and, ask and, and you know like and, you know, and on record I, I do think that the NZSO are doing great things as well. Sure. Like especially with um, you know, Adan, you know, our our GM yeah. who hired me yes. at the time is now yes, in my right. equivalent role with, For the with the NZSO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's obviously doing some cool stuff which he yeah. applied in the early days of yeah. of our success. To, and you guys are are obviously aware of each other absolutely. and talking and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. you know, there, there's not a right. There's, there's there, not, well, not a there rivalry. was. You know, yeah, like yeah. There was there was a deep rivalry mm. at times, you know, because you know, you know, there were times where we, you know we were, we were fighting over venues, we were fighting yeah. over players, but yeah. you know, like 
I didn't see any point of that, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And, and neither did Kirsten, and now, yeah. now every, you know, an open dialogue and communication yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is great. Um, and so, yeah, it's, yeah, Wellington is big enough. And, and the thing is, like, ultimately, if if they pop off, then we pop off. You yeah, know, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's just yeah. good for the city yes. that there's, you know, lots of yes. a- engagement and activity in classical music. It's a little so, bit like, it's a little bit like Slowbo and RPM being a few doors down from yeah, each other. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They serve two different audiences and there's crossover. Yes, you know, absolutely. You, you and I are probably examples and there are many of people who visit both stores. Yeah. We also get other music elsewhere. Yeah. But um, we know what we're doing in each of those stores. Exactly. And, and it was and great to see like Jeremy like, um, uh, you know, let people know what um, uh, what um, RPM was doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. At, on record store yeah, day, yeah, and that, exactly. just little things like that, which yeah, I think yeah, is yeah. really good. Yeah, it builds. A, There's a, always going to be a rivalry. Yeah. Same with your the two orchestras we're talking about, but but yes, you can break down that rivalry to being a friendly competitive spirit rather yeah, than a locking yeah, yeah. horns. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for sure. So this rolls. Um, Changed a bit for you already, as you say, from when you first got in, and, and oh, so it's yeah. constantly developing. Yeah, well, so. I, I, start, I started off as ten hours a week yeah. social media. You know, I'd come in and do a few tweets, yeah, and and, and, and chuck. Yeah, you know, I'd find like a a violin meme, <laughs> and chuck it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, um, make and, their social media a bit more yeah, funky. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more funky. Yeah, um, and then um, I wasn't really until after a done left, um, I started taking over. Um, yeah, when Adan left and Kirsten Mason came in, uh, the new GM, yeah. um, I sort of started taking over a lot of the marketing stuff that Adan had been doing yeah. um, as well. And then, um, yeah, that kind of grew. And with, you know, with smaller organisations, you know, we're, we're a team of like, you know, there's never more than four yeah. four people in yeah, the office yeah, at yeah, one time, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. five. Um with a team of small people, you, you, you're always going to overlap and yeah, kind of do bits and pieces. Yeah. But you put I guess, on a new hat for a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess, um, you know, like I've, I was assigned different projects and things like that. And, you know, I came up with the, the idea for the uh, Moana, Songs of Moana concert, yeah. which I ultimately went, went on to produce. And um, that went okay. Uh, well, yeah, that was that was bloody brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect so, timing. Yeah, yeah two, two sold out shows. Um, Disney loved it. Yeah, because um, yeah, we'd never really heard anything from them, but um, we've got another family show coming up in August, and so I've been dealing with them again with the same guy that I was mm. dealing with in the early mm. days of Moana, and, and he was he, he was like, man, like this is actually the first time I YouTubed like what actually happened, and like he said like it did the rounds in the office, wow. and like, they were actually yeah. blown away. Wow. Um, which yeah, I kind of um, yeah, I was stoked about. That was like, yeah. yeah, it was, it was uh, definitely for me. It was a high point in, yeah. in, in, in my career. So now with the Disney takeover, you'll be working hard on Star Wars themed shows. <laughs> well, yeah. now you've got that extra. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the, the cost of those shows <laughs> yes. means that they're not not really in the yeah. in, in the range for for us. But yeah. luckily, Adan, Adan yeah, the has, NZSOs picked yeah, up Adan's some um, of that. F- me. Well, I actually loaned them my R two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so they organised me tickets for. The Wellington, Wellington and um, Auckland mm. shows for, mm. for for that, which was brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, day one on my first day of working there, I was like, "We've got to do stuff." <laughs> <laughs> Started looking it up. It's like cost that much. I mean, <laughs> I do think those. I do think there's a lot of 
There's a lot to happen with orchestras performing film score stuff, though. Definitely, you know, I, I'm I'm I, I'm a massive fan of film score. That was kind of probably my proper introduction to classical music, to, yep, to, to listening course. to instrumental yeah, yeah, yeah. music in a classical tradition. But you know, I've seen I got I went over to Sydney and saw some English ensemble do the Blade Runner score live. Yeah, with wow. um, with with just random scenes from the film behind it was incredible yeah I mean because that's an iconic piece of music and an iconic film and um and R.I.P. Rudka but um you know that was just amazing yeah and I sort of think and I I, I know orchestras have done um shows of video game music because that's its own thing too and I, yeah. I'm not even a gamer and I went to a I went to a arts festival show years ago that was some orchestra local one or not doing famous um, game scores but they were yeah. so famous that even my minuscule amount of time gaming I knew most of them and the ones that I didn't know I was captivated by seeing he- seeing and hearing the music come to life yeah yeah, yeah. and well, I know there's been a Harry Potter one and yeah you know, well I guess there's um there's I guess there's specific ways on how you have to approach those yes, concerts yeah. like um I, I was speaking with um uh, well, with someone uh, who remains <laughs> shall remain nameless, and they were talking about a specific um, uh, orchestral concert, which was the score to a soundtrack. Yeah, um, and it was predominantly aimed at younger children, but mm. there was no visual element. Mm. And mm. of course, like the kids are like really into it um, for a bit, for an, initially, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the yeah. idea of it. But yeah. then they arrive, and, and then like three, you know, five minutes in, yes. it's like okay. I'm, Board. Yeah. Um, so I think you really do need the either the the movie or, yes, the, or yeah. you know you can't just do the music on its own. You really need for, for the for the children's shows. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And um, again, I think Mark's been, always been really great. The children's shows I've been to that he's been involved in doing. He's yep. he's such a good communicator. Totally. He's yeah, so yeah. good at you know. I think I said this to his face, but he pays absolute respect. To the tradition, but he also breaks down any perceived barrier of snobbery. You know, yeah. he manages yeah. to do both. Absolutely, he's, yeah, he's yeah. so well versed and so so passionate and well intentioned about doing it correctly yeah. and honouring it all. But he knows that it, there's a big old stuffy world that's been built up around it, yeah. and he's doing his little bit to chip away at what that too. Our our mantra has always been like breaking down barriers. Mm. You know, whether that they be financial barriers, whether they be transport barriers, mm. whether they be musical barriers or like educational barriers. Mm. Um, so that's always been like the core fundamental kind of idea behind yeah. like what every, everything we do. Yeah, and so like Mark, for example, if you know how like you can only clap at the end of a yeah, yeah. thing, and if you yeah. clap, you know if you clap in between movements, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. tisked upon yes, normally. Yes, you know? yes. Mark loves that. Yeah, if, I if, know. He, if he hears someone clapping in between, he'll acknowledge it. Yeah, he'll, he'll acknowledge it and, and know. Almost build, yeah, yeah. tell people to build it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But he he knows that it was someone that genuinely enjoyed that part. Yeah. And is obviously new, so it's someone new. Yeah. In our concert, which so is, we don't which want is them, bloody brilliant. Yeah. So, you so want we, them to come back. Yeah. yeah well, we want them to come back, and we don't <laughs> yeah. want them feeling stink. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. And yeah. and so you know, sure, Pyrrhus will be Pyrrhus. Yeah. But like. It's evolving. The culture's evolving. People are going, for this are music going, to, for uh, this uh, music uh, to have lasted as long as it has already. Yeah, you know it has to. You know there has to be some new fresh presentations of it. There has to totally. be new audiences coming in, but new ideas. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's also yeah, there's also another kind of um, uh, balance on how you t- like handle that evolution as well. Because yes. I know yeah. that I I know personally I know like younger people that like going because of the 
um, because of the rituals yes. and and and, the, oh, and, totally. and the, yeah, yeah. the dressing up and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. like you know, we're, we're we're always like you know, just do whatever you want. You know, yeah. I know a lot of people do like yeah. to take do like to sort of go because of the tradition yeah. and, the, and the, oh no, and so yeah, it's kind of finding that balance. Yeah, as well. no, so, again, yeah, yeah. again, Orchestra Wellington does that so well. Um, and and again, Mark, you know, I've seen him. The flowers will come out and get handed to him. And he'll just turn around and thrust them at the first person <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the band. Yeah, like, let's yeah. call it a band, in the group, in the band. And he'll just hand them to someone. And there'll be a genuine look of surprise on their face. Like, I did not know that was coming to me. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool. And so the tradition is still being observed, respected, totally. but then there's a little a little well, spin on it. We don't even do flowers anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, it, unless it's like a, a big, big show. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, well, you know, flowers are expensive. Yeah, yeah like, totally. Okay, well, that's 80 bucks that we could put towards like a bus of kids yeah. from Parker yeah, yeah, to yeah, come yeah. in. It's a, yeah. a family show. It's yeah. like, you know, it's it's great and it's 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 a, it's a nice to have, yeah. but it's like you know there's yeah, far, a, totally it's, a, it's that's you know there's far of, other things you know when you kind of look at it in that way that's extra for experts yeah yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so you've you 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 haven't given away DJing completely you've just you don't do the schlepping out every week no. to residences no, no no I don't I don't go to the nightclubs and the corner yeah. place strip and stuff yeah. like that which was just such a it was the home. Yeah. It was a home for me for such a long time. But I, I mean, just feel, I feel so detached from that now. Yeah, it's yeah, like quite, yeah. quite weird. You've talked about it largely being a positive experience because you've been well paid and you've got to do almost what you like and build up followings and influence people. Um, you've you've hinted at the grind of it, but there must be must have been some bad nights. Bad nights, frustrating. Bad oh, nights. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, like any job. Yeah, you're but, always going to get that, you know? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like there's there's always bad nights, and you just sort of take them. You know, it's like as soon as you have a good night, you forget about the bad ones. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, especially like for the midweek shows, and they're quiet, and there's yeah. a bit of pressure, and it's like okay, it's all because of me, but you know, it's not because it's raining outside and blah blah blah. Mm. And it's like you know, it's easy to take personally when you when you when you when your your personal brand is so unravelled and mm, and mm. a sort of in, in a club night that you've created, then it's yeah. hard to take it personally when when it doesn't quite work but yeah. then, you know there's so many factors why, so, why why Wellington could be good or you know why a night could be good or bad you know yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from the rugby being on through to the students not being you know mm. having exams that week or whatever that's but teen, variables teenage Merrick standing in front of his one tape deck and one turntable <laughs> at the school prom <laughs> would never have thought that he would talk on the phone with Jay Diller's mum no or uh or work for an orchestra. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or be or, able to buy a house essentially with, sure. with the with the Yeah, with, with the, the money the, from with that. The money or or work in music basically f- all the time. Like yeah. you you know, you, you worked in a clothing store, but you were probably listening to as much music there as you oh, were yeah, selling no, jeans. Was, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was short too. Yeah. But uh or you know, was it just a couple of weeks ago you played support for the streets? Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and how and how and you know, how was that? That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. like um for a few reasons, obviously yeah. like the streets I'd I'd loved and, and championed from such an mm. early Mm. You know, from from basically the release of, of the first of album, the first yeah. album, um, I'd actually I was presented the CD by Warner's as you do, you know, on their on their run, and yeah. I, I said, you know, look, we're actually selling a heap of this guy's twelve inch. You know, I'd really like to do a party, um, and Warner's were obviously like, well, 
you know, it was kind of like on their dregs and their dregs pile of like, yeah. you know, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And I showed like a genuine enthusiasm and I, you know, and I had stats, you know, it's like, well, you know, we've sold like 10 of this 12, you know, so yeah. it's like it's getting played in clubs already. Yeah. Um, let's do like a launch party. And that was kind of the first ever show that I'd ever promoted myself mm. with the help of Warners. And so they were pumped. Mm. Um, had a cool night. It was like a, a curve bar, which is meow. Yeah. Um, on a Thursday night, uh, myself, Clinton Smiley, DJing, um, you know, a bunch of free records, uh, free records, yeah. promos, and free CDs getting handed around. And yeah. Like, yeah, just played the, played, played, played the record, and yeah. that's kind of the start of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, when, when, um, when Live Nation hit me up to, mm. to play support, um, all was, these years later, yeah, all these years amazing. later, like yeah. I, I was completely stoked. Plus, yeah. plus, you know, I was playing on the stage. That my orchestra plays on. Yes, so it was, yeah, 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 so yeah. it was funny, you know, turning up with my record bag and my gear, and all the <laughs> venue staff are like, "What are you doing here?" And I start setting up and yeah. playing this, yeah, this really, um, aggressive kind of grime music and, and yeah. garage and stuff like that. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, and they had no idea, but it was, uh, but it was great. Yeah. And it was a funny set, you know, like it was early on and it was seated. Yeah, yeah. And it was only half an hour long, but it was yeah. still like the experience was. Yeah, it's still was a, super cool, you know, like a yeah. a, um, a CV thing, you know, like a absolutely. personal CV yeah, thing. It's a moment, absolutely. Yeah, 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 no, I understand that. Those connections, as I say, those connections. I knew you'd been um, a big champion of that early album, that first yeah. album. Yeah, and I played at the Eminem show as well. That was another weird one. It's like, yeah, I've, wow. <laughs> I haven't done, like, yeah, I think those are the only two gigs I've done this year. Yeah. Eminem and um, Eminem <laughs> and the streets and on then, the MFC. And, and so they go, and, but they both go <laughs> right, right back to kind of Chelsea Records days. Yeah, pre, like, and, you know. And like, even um, pre, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like um, the first Eminem record was one of the first LPs yeah. I ever bought. Yeah. Crazy. I've still got it downstairs. Yeah. Um, yeah, my name is, was... Yeah, yeah. Was, I think the first song I heard on my FM before it was my FM. I think that was um, what was uh, what was the um, oh man, I've had a mind blank. Uh, Napster. I think that was like yeah, the first yeah. Napster tune. Yeah. Like you know, the, that, that was probably like Napster's big yeah, breakout song yeah, yeah. Well, for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. True. Amazing. Yes. Um, so I guess that's where you're at now. This is what this is what you're doing. You work for the orchestra. You play DJ gigs when you want to. When they come up, that's, that's you, it. Yeah. You, I'm, you, I'm you might promote a gig now and then. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm still an avid listener and collector of music. Mm. Um, yeah. Not so much this stuff anymore. Like I love where yeah. I'm at with this. Right. Okay. So that, I was um, going to ask, when does the the yeah. the, well, the other always, collecting stop? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's a finite. I guess. We all wrestle with that when we have a house and children and responsibilities. Absolutely, you know, yeah, like, yeah. My, my addiction to CDs and vinyl died down a while ago, and now it's about managing it. Yeah, totally. Just managing the, the physical amount of it in the house. Yeah, yeah. Because it's daunting. But I've been stripping back a lot. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah. yeah, a lot of condoing going on and um, selling a bunch of stuff, which I just, you know, know would be more appreciated mm. elsewhere mm. um and just wanting to sort of get back to some beer bones and just yeah yeah it's um it's nice though i really enjoy where i'm at yeah enjoying music again is so rad you know it's, it's, it's <laughs> funny that isn't it I've, yeah. I've really worked on i guess doing the podcast has helped um i'm trying to not review albums all the time because yeah. because you know the landscape for reviewing albums <laughs> yeah. you know like 
you're never gonna you know i i grew up at the in the end of the era where you got the record maybe three months before it came out. Yeah, it was a yeah, big yeah. thing. So you got heaps of time to listen to it and you were you were selling it to people or rec- you know, or, or 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 warning people about how shit it was if it had high expectations and you didn't like it. But there was a responsibility. Now you're never gonna be first. Oh no. You're never gonna be first. People can make their mind up and hear the music before they read your thing. Fake reviews like three minutes after an album yeah. release at midnight just yes. for the clicks, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like <laughs> and I never wanted to get into that. I'll never do that. But, um, you know, I'll still write about albums because I still think there are things to be said about them. But it's definitely nice not feeling like, oh, every day I need to pump out a review. Yeah. I'll review a book or, mm. a, you know, a film or a TV show or something instead or just write something else that's not a review. Yeah. And then when I do come to reviewing music, it's because I've, generally it's because I've wanted to. Totally. You know, and that's, and that's been a real nice way for me to enjoy music again mm. you know I, I can still it's hardwired in me you know like if I go to a sh- if I spend my own money on a show and go to a show I generally go home and write about it even, yeah even though I'm I don't owe anyone a review no one's, <laughs> yeah. no one's commissioned me no one's paying me and I paid my own way to the you know I flew to Australia last year to see Suzanne Vega and the first thing I did was go home and write something write something because yeah, yeah. that's just my um, that's my so, way so, of unpacking so and, yeah, yeah, yeah it's my way of unpacking and appreciating it but I think just endlessly churning through albums to say something about that that was the death of enjoying music for yeah me. well that was that really was, comparable that, to your DJ exactly. thing exactly yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was the, the constant hunt to always you know if at the need to sort of always having to be scanning mm. everything out mm. there just mm. for more more music yeah you know like pre pre internet yeah. days you know it was like yeah. it was amazing having just the resource of of, of store lists and re- mm. record 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 lists of um, stuff you can order mm an order one copy for yourself, knowing that you'd be the only person in Wellington that has. <laughs> um, well, we've had a big old chat. Is there anything else you need to mention or oh, wish that I'd asked you? I feel like we've covered. Yeah, I think you've, yeah. I'm pretty, yeah. Cool. Yeah, good one. All right, <laughs> cheers. Good, good, good chat. Thanks.